Good morning. Welcome to Sunday Morning with Love and Action. I am Ken Tuck. I certainly appreciate you joining me this morning right here on the Joy FM. I hope your day is going well and that you have enjoyed your weekend. This morning, we're going to continue our study of the 50 commands of Christ. Why do we study the 50 commands of Christ? Because we need to know them and we need to teach them to others. That's what Jesus tells us in his great commission in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus says, All authority on heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all I have taught you. And I am with you always to the end of the age. So you see, Jesus says to teach others all that he's commanded us. So one, we need to know his commands so we can live them out ourselves. And then two, we need to know them so we can teach others. And this is all part of making disciples who can make disciples. And we're all about that at Love and Action. We teach 50 Commands of Christ at Love and Action, and it's great to do it in a small group where you can talk and discuss things. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful study. And so I hope you've been listening uh, each week. If you haven't, you can go back on our Love and Action podcast and catch up. You can find the Love and Action podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and pretty much anywhere you find your podcast, you can probably find the Love and Action podcast there. And it's also on our website at loveinactionministries.com. Well, before we get into the Word of God today, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus, thanking you for another day that you've given us. Thank you for another opportunity to open up your word and to study your word. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to teach us, lead us, and guide us. And Father, may we truly be doers of your word and not hearers only. Lord, you give us the Great Commission. You give us this command to live out this life for you, to tell others about you, and to make disciples, those who can follow you. And teach them also how to make disciples. So Lord, help us to be Great Commission Christians. Help us to be focused on you. Help us to have a heart's desire, your heart's desire, to reach the lost. So Father God, you call us to do that. And God, I just want to lift up each person who's listening today who have not given their lives to you. I pray today will be the day they call out to you, Jesus, and be saved. For, Lord, you gave your life. You died on the cross for our sins. You arose from the grave on the third day, so all who believe shall not perish but have eternal life. Father, I pray for each and every person listening today. You know every need, and I just lift them up to you, Father God. Lord Jesus, you tell us in Matthew chapter 6 that if we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, then these things we have need of, you take care of. You also tell us, In your word, Father God, that as we draw close to you, you draw close to us. And each and every one of us needs more of you in our lives. So, Lord, may we purpose it in our hearts that we're going to live this life for you and that we want to serve you, live for you, tell others about you, and make disciples who can make disciples. So, Father, thank you again for this day. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your son, Jesus. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. And before we get back into the teaching of the 50 commands of Christ, I do want to encourage you, if you're listening this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus, what's stopping you? He loves you. He died for you. He died for me. God raised him back to life to give all who believe eternal life. You know, when we come to the end of our lives, we're either going to go to hell or we're going to go to heaven when we die. 
And if we give our lives to Jesus right here on earth, then we're going to live with him forever and ever and ever in paradise. If we deny him, then hell is the eternal destination, and that's eternal torment, eternity without God, and eternity lasts forever. There's no second chances at that point. And not trying to scare you into it or anything like that, into a decision, but I'm just putting the facts on the table for you. He loves you, and I just want to encourage you that if you haven't made that decision, to do that today and just talk to God. Ask Him to forgive you. Ask Jesus to forgive you for all your sins, cleanse you, repent of your sins, which means turning from your sinful ways, turning to Jesus, and confess Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, and just let him know, I believe you died for me and rose again. The Word of God tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. So I just encourage you to do that today. If you have any questions and or if you made that decision today, I encourage you to contact me because I'd love to to talk with you. I'd love to give you some next steps even. You can contact me by calling our office at Love and Action at 334-494-4995. That's 334-494-4995. Or you can email me at ken.tuck at loveinactionministries.com. Ken.tuck at loveinactionministries.com. Okay, today we are at command number 30 in the 50 commands of Christ. And number 30 is, do not hinder children from coming to Jesus. Our key verse is Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. I encourage you to take notes if you're able to. Now, if you're driving, obviously no. (laughs) But if you're able to, take notes by writing down what the commands are and the scripture. And this key scripture is Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. And they were bringing the children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying hands on them. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 14. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of heaven. In those days, Jewish parents commonly sought the blessing of prominent rabbis for their children, and that's probably what the parents were doing here and why the children were there. And the disciples, they tried to keep the children away. I don't know if they thought Jesus just didn't have time for children because he had so many important things to do, like heal people and cast demons out of people. But Jesus, he made it clear, didn't he? He rebuked his disciples and he told them to let the children come to him because he wanted to bless them. The disciples, they tried to have authority to decide who came to Jesus, but they didn't have that authority. And none of us do, because you know why? Everyone has access to Jesus. Scripture plainly tells us that. And it's obvious also in these scriptures about Jesus and children that he loved children. He, he loves children. And he wants to see them taken care of. And he, he knows children are innocent. And children are as innocent as they're going to be their entire lives. Because we know as we become adults, that child innocence leaves us because of things happening around the world. And unfortunately, too many children are exposed to people and situations who steal their innocence at such early ages. And 
we see and we hear about that so much these days in particular, and it's, it's so heartbreaking. And I know it has to grieve Jesus. And Jesus, he wanted to bless the children. And he understood how vulnerable children are to influences around them. And there wasn't a better and still isn't a better influence upon children than Jesus. So don't hinder children from coming to Jesus. In fact, it's important to make sure children are in church learning about Jesus. But you know who their best teachers are going to be about Jesus? Mom and dad, because they are around mom and dad all the time. At church, it may be once or twice a week they're around those who are teaching them. And that's very important, very important to have children involved in church at an early age. But mom and dad's going to teach them more about Jesus than anyone not only just by sitting down and reading Bible stories to them and teaching them about Jesus, telling them about Jesus, but in their actions. Because I know when I was growing up, I was so blessed with the wonderful parents. I was in church all the time from the time I can remember. If there was a service going on, we were usually at church. And I praise God for that. As a kid, sometimes there were times I didn't want to go, but I didn't have a choice. Mom and dad said, you're going. And so I went and I'm so thankful for that today. But, you know, I I really learned so much from my parents' actions. And I can look back and see how they had hearts for those who were considered outcasts, those who were hurting, and they loved to take care of those. I had some friends who were considered outcasts, but you know what? My mom and dad loved them and showed love to them. And I just, I learned that. I learned how to love others through my parents because they showed me Jesus They showed me how to love others as Jesus loved. So parents out there, whether you're a single parent or both mom and dad are in the house, teach your children about Jesus. Don't hinder them. Teach them and show them the love of Jesus and how to live as Jesus wants us to live because it makes a difference. It makes a huge difference. Jesus says in Mark 10, 15, he says, Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a child shall not enter it. How does a child look at their parents? Well, a a little child is humble and has a trusting dependence on his or her parents. And we must approach our Abba Father the same way. We approach him in all humility, very humbly, and have a total trusting dependency on him and on him alone. A child can believe that dad can hang the moon. Dad can do anything. Well, we need to look at our Heavenly Father that way because you know what? Our Heavenly Father did hang the moon. He put the moon in place and the stars in the heavens so he can do anything. So let's go to our Heavenly Father humbly and just know that we can trust him in all things with all situations because he is our Father. Why is it important to teach children about God from the time they are small, as I was just talking about? Well, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 tells us, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. I'm a living example of that scripture right there. Because as I just shared with you, I was raised in a wonderful Christian home. Awesome parents. But when I got older, I drifted off from my Christian background, from my Christian teaching, from what I knew was right. But you know what? My parents had instilled in me the love of Christ, and they had planted those seeds of the gospel in my heart. And I came back to Jesus when I was 23 years old and gave my life to him because I knew I needed him. And I just called out to him, and he filled that empty void that I was trying to fill with things of the world. And he saved me, and he forgave me. But it's because my parents taught me. 
They trained me to love Jesus and to know him, to know his word. And I came back and I know they were praying for me as well, but that's how important it is to train up your children. So again, teach them about Jesus, show them about Jesus. Matthew chapter 18, verse 10, Jesus says, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven. The angels of God, they're always pictured as watching the face of God so they can hear his commands to help a believer. But it's important to understand that angels, they're, they're messengers, they're defenders, not only for children, but for all believers. And while this command is talking about do not keep the children from Jesus, Jesus also mentions angels right here in Matthew chapter 18. So I think it's important to understand that angels are real. We don't worship angels. We worship Jesus. We worship our Heavenly Father, the one who made the angels. But it's important to know that God has angels, and he sends them out to do, do work. Maybe it's a messenger, as we just mentioned, and maybe it's to defend us. And we read that in Scripture. I'm just going to share two of those verses with you. Psalms 91, verse 11, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. So see, there's an angel defending us. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? So it's just important to understand angels are real, and God sends them out for different missions, including for children. So do not hinder children from coming to Jesus. And again, parents, teach them. Teach them about Jesus. Show them Jesus and how you live. Number 31, go to Christians who offend you. Gospel of Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. And Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. So Jesus is telling us to go to those who offend us. The worst thing we can do when a fellow believer sins, offends us, does something to us or against us or says something about us, what have you, the worst thing to do is to gossip about that. The worst thing to do is to be resentful about that. So we can't let bitterness arise in our hearts against the offending person. That is so easy to happen. It's that we don't go to them, so we gossip and we're resentful towards that person and bitterness creeps in and we don't want bitterness in our hearts because that root of bitterness kills, destroys our spirit. And so we can't let that happen. So we need to go to that person. And Jesus says to go to that person and let them know he or she offended you. And this is part of church discipline, and we're going to talk about that here in a moment. And unfortunately, it isn't followed very often. But repentance and restoration are the goals of this entire process that we're talking about in this command to go to those who offend you, go straight to them, because we want to see repentance. We want to see restoration take place. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11, good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, verses 14 and 15 for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 19. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. 
If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Now how difficult is it to live out this command to go to the person who offended you? It can be difficult, can it? But we got to get past that part because, we one, we need to obey Jesus. And two, we need to help restore and see repentance in, in the hearts of the one who has committed the sin or committed this offense uh, against us or against the church even. And think about it. Are there people that you are having a difficult time forgiving? Just kind of think about that and think, is there anybody I haven't forgiven? Because we see that the Word of God tells us we are to forgive in Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15 that we just read. We need to forgive others so our Heavenly Father can forgive us. If we don't forgive others, then we're not going to receive forgiveness. And think about that for a moment. Who are we to say, I want forgiveness in my life? I want God to forgive me for what I've done. Yet, we're not willing to forgive somebody what they've done against us. That's just, that's total hypocrisy, right? We need to forgive others just as God forgives us. I want to be forgiven of my sins, and therefore, I need to forgive those who have caused an offense against me. Then I need to go to that person. We need to talk, and we need to get things right. But what if they don't listen to you? Well, we're going to get to that here in a moment. But these conflicts, we need to take care of them quickly. And Jesus, he set forth the first step of resolving a conflict, of doing it quickly, and to forgive. And the NIV study Bible says that it is best to resolve conflicts in private, to protect the brother or sister from harm caused by gossip. We find another reason in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 17, do not nurse hatred in your heart for any one of your relatives or brothers Confront people directly so you will not be held guilty of their sin. No matter what happens, we are not to hate anyone, including the one who offended us or did something against us or did something to us. We cannot hate. Our God is love, and we need to be like our God. We see the example Jesus gives us. He didn't hate anybody. He loved everybody, even those who were nailing him to the cross You remember he said, God, forgive them for they know not what they do. What passion, what love Jesus was showing at that moment to people who were killing him, who were nailing him, literally nailing him to a cross, yet Jesus showed love to them. Well, Jesus says to follow him. He commands us to do that. And if we follow Jesus, then we need to love. We can't hate. There's no room for hatred in the kingdom of God. It's not allowed. It can't happen. We got to love. And when we have difficult times doing that, we need to pray. Pray to God. Ask him to help us. If you're thinking of somebody who you're having a hard time forgiving, then go to God with it and ask God to help you. And be honest with with him because he knows your heart anyway. He knows my heart anyway. And we just need to go to him and say, Father, I'm having a hard time here. I really need your help because I know I need to forgive this person. And you know what? He will. He will help us. His Holy Spirit is working in us. And through him, we can do these things. We can do what he commands us to because of the Holy Spirit living in us, empowering us to be obedient to him and to do what he wants us to do, what he commands us to do. First John chapter 2, verse 9, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. So we are to walk in the light as Jesus is in the light. Jesus is the light. 
So we don't need to have any darkness in us. We don't need to be in darkness. We need to be in the light. So we need to forgive. And I mentioned a few moments ago about forgiving somebody, but what if they don't respond to that forgiveness? What if they don't want to sit down and talk with you about it? Matthew chapter 18, verses 16 through 17 addresses that. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. That's proper church discipline. We go to the person and try to talk with that person one-on-one in private. So there's not gossip, none of that talk going on. And there's a chance for repentance, a chance for reconciliation. But if the person doesn't listen, then you take one or two people with you. And if it still doesn't, you know, repentance, reconciliation doesn't take place, then you go before the church. And then if the person still will not repent, then you've done all you can do. And it's up to that person to eventually realize, you know what, I need to repent and I need to reconcile with my brothers and sisters. And I often wonder why is this not taught often in churches and why is it not obeyed by believers? Because it's in the Word of God. You know, we can't pick and choose what to believe, what to obey, as hard as it can be. And this is tough. This isn't easy stuff we're talking about here. But we can do it, again, because, one, Jesus commands us to, and he wouldn't command us to do something if we couldn't do it. And he has empowered us through his Holy Spirit to do all that he's telling us to do. But when you think about church discipline this way and think about resolving conflict quickly like this, wouldn't it just lead to less gossip and resentment? There's so much gossip and resentment throughout this world. We don't need it in the church. And this would really lessen that. And so just think about, is there anybody you need to go to? And this this something you normally do? For most, probably not. But for those of y'all who do, then you know what it's like to do that. Go straight to that person and talk about it. You know, And don't do it in a, you did wrong, you know, pointing your finger at them and beating them over the head of a Bible. Sit down humbly and talk with the person. Because the person may not even know or realize what he or she has done. But you can talk about it and get that forgiveness between you and that person, get that reconciliation taken care of. And when you can do it quickly, then it's quicker to get forgiveness between you and that person, and it's quicker to get reconciliation than to wait. Because if we wait, bitterness is going to enter in, and we do not want that. So let's go to a person who offends us quickly, and let's seek that reconciliation and repentance. Number 32, forgive offenders. So we just talked about the command to go to the person who offended us and seek that reconciliation, seek that repentance on their part. But you know what? We have to forgive those who have offended us. So number 32 is forgive offenders. Our key verse is Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And then we read in Luke chapter 17, verses 3 and 4, If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day, and turns to you seven times, saying, I repent, you must forgive him. So how often does Jesus say we must forgive someone who offends us? 
Well, it says in Matthew 18, 77 times. And then in Luke 17, he says, every time someone asks us to forgive them, we must forgive them. The MacArthur Bible Commentary says, the number seven in Luke 17, verse four, was not to set a limit on the number of times to forgive, but precisely the opposite. Christ meant that forgiveness should be granted unendingly. Jesus is saying the same thing in Matthew 18, verses 21 and 22. So it's not, hey, forgive them 77 times. Jesus is saying, every time they come to you, forgive them. And don't you love Peter? He's like, Lord, do we forgive them as many as seven times? It's like seven times forgiving someone was like as high as you could go. (laughs) And Jesus quickly made it clear that, no, it's not just seven times, Peter. It's as many times as they come and ask for forgiveness. Think about how we are in our lives. How many times have we gone to God and asked him to forgive us? We couldn't count how many times we've done that. At least I know I could not count how many times I've done that. So we need to do the same thing for others because when we go to God over and over again, asking him to forgive us, and we know he does because 1 John 1, 9 says that, we confess our sins to him. He's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. So we know he's, he's forgiven us. Therefore, we have to forgive others however many times they come. Don't live a life where you hold things against people. Live a life that you're forgiven others. And it doesn't mean what they've done is right, but forgiving them is what's right because that's what Jesus commands us to do. Think about it. How likely are you to forgive someone three or four times for the same thing? How many times have we gone to God for forgiveness for the same thing? That's mercy from God. He shows us mercy every time we go to him asking him to forgive us of our sins. So if God is willing to forgive us, why are we often unwilling to forgive others? It's like we put up this fence and like, I can't believe that person did that. I'm not going to forgive that person. That's totally wrong because that's not how God acts at all. And I thank him that he doesn't. He is so forgiven, so merciful, and we need to do the same thing. We need to be the same way towards others. Let's look at the godly consequences for forgiving and not forgiving others. Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. You don't have to be a Bible theologian to figure this one out. We have to forgive. God forgives us, so we have to forgive. And if we don't, we can't receive forgiveness. Jesus makes that abundantly clear there. Do we ever forgive with strings attached? Like, I forgive you if. I forgive you, but. You know, and you can fill in the blanks there. Well, let's read Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 19. Paul writes, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. So we don't need to forgive with strings attached. Leave vengeance to God. Often, the first response is, I'm going to get that person back. Well, we need to work on that because we don't need to get anyone back. Leave that in God's hands. He's the God of justice. He will make justice take place. And let's just trust him with that. And let's do our part. And our part is forgiving the other person. And again, it doesn't make it right what they've done or what they've said. 
but we need to do what's right, and that's forgive them. Let me share a testimony as we wrap up here of forgiveness. In October of 2006, Charles Roberts walked into a small Amish schoolhouse and shot 10 children, killing five of them, and then he shot himself. The shooter, he was not Amish, but not only did the Amish community forgive the shooter, but they also attended his funeral and donated money to help his wife and children. Now, what do you think that spoke to that wife and the children of the man who killed those Amish children? That had to speak volumes to them about forgiveness. We need to follow that example. We need to forgive. No matter what, forgive and just be a a blessing to others. Forgiveness is not always the easiest thing because it doesn't seem to come natural to us. But Jesus commands us to do that. And so we need to obey our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And again, if we have problems forgiving somebody, go to him in prayer and ask him to help you to forgive because we need to. We need to forgive. And he will help us to forgive. So just go to him in prayer with that. And let's finish up with Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Let's listen to the book of wisdom there, Proverbs. It makes good sense to be slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. So let's forgive others. Let's obey our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and forgive those who offend us. I want to thank you for joining me this morning. I hope you have a great rest of the day and a wonderful week coming up. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.